Hello and welcome back. I'm Anna Lively, host of the Speak Up Sports podcast. I hope all the baseball fans listening out there are as excited as I am for the World Baseball Classic next month and spring training getting underway soon. Well, speaking of baseball, this week on the podcast, I am joined with journalist and analyst for ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball crew, Buster Olney. We will be talking about how Buster juggles his different roles at ESPN, storylines for the 2023 season, and much more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Buster Olney. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively, and this week on the podcast, I am joined with a journalist and analyst for ESPN and a part of so many of their coverage of baseball and the host of ESPN's Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster Olney. Buster, thanks for coming on and joining me. Well, thank, nice to join you, Anna, at a time when I know it's been really busy for you, going having just gone <laughs> through all the college stuff that you've been going through. Yes, for sure. Now, speaking of college, I want to start with you at college. So you went to college at Vanderbilt University. Did you always know that you wanted to get into sports journalism? I feel really fortunate because I actually knew that when I was 15 years old. Uh, when I was, uh, my, I grew up on a dairy farm in central Vermont. Uh, and my folks figured out really quickly that I was too much of a you know an idiot to be able to figure out how to fix things. So I went to boarding school in Western Massachusetts. And when I was a sophomore there, um, a columnist for the New York Times named Red Smith came and spoke there. Uh, mm. And this is someone who covered Babe Ruth. Uh, this wow. is someone who he was in his uh, in one of the last years of his life. And I remember walking away from that uh, presentation that he did, and I got to have dinner uh, with him thinking, you know what, um, you know, I'm not going to be the power forward for the Lakers, which is what I really wanted to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be the second baseman for the Dodgers. And I love to write and I love to tell stories and I love sports. And that's what I want to do. And I joined the high school paper, uh, our high school paper within two weeks of that. And, and I've never done anything different other than, you know, I, I was the fastest bagel baker in two in uh, three states <laughs> in college and uh, was the worst bank teller in the history of mankind for about four months. But besides that, uh, yeah, I've always wanted to be a, a journalist. Well, that's awesome that you found that passion at such a young age and were able to yeah. start working with the newspaper at your school so soon after. And you talked about him being from the New York Times. So you started and did worked for the New York Times for like six years before you joined ESPN in 2003 to cover baseball. What would you say that transition was like for you as a sports writer? Uh, it was really hard. Uh, you know, because I and I definitely, you know, worked at the the Nashville Banner and the San Diego Union Tribune and uh, Baltimore Sun, New York Times. I was a newspaper guy and I looked at TV people as being uh, dopes, you know, and, and <laughs> looked at them at that time like they can't really tell a story. You know, there's not enough time to tell a story that you want to tell. Um, and then, you know, as I my daughter was born and I knew I didn't want to travel as much as a beat writer. You know, she was born 1999. Uh, I began to think of other things to do. And, and, and uh, and so I 
became more open-minded the idea of working in television. It just so happened ESPN, you know, contacted me in the spring of 2003. And what I found was, is that, you know, my perception of, of reporters uh, on television was so off because really they have the same challenge I do now when I work in television that you do when you write a story. You know, if I'm writing a game story, you're trying to tell the best possible story in 800 words. If you're doing it on television, you're trying to tell the best possible story in 35 to 40 seconds. And so there's an <laughs> art form with both of those. Mm -hmm. And once I, you know, realized that and, and moved on from my bias, uh, I, I really had fun. But I struggled at the outset. It was hard because I had no formal training in it. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that aspect of it and the differences of how to cover and get your story across in a difference, depending on if you're writing it or if you're, you know, saying it on TV. But currently now with ESPN, you do such a wide range of things for them, you know, ESPN Radio or Sports Center, ESPN.com for your writing or, you know, your work with Sunday Night Baseball crew. So how would you say you juggle the differences between those roles during the MLB season and during the off season? The neat thing about, and what I realized when I went to work at ESPN uh, right from the get-go was, is that there's always something to do, you know? <laughs> uh, there's always, if, uh, you know, if I'm not on television on a, on a baseball tonight, you know, I, I can I can do sports centers. Um, I can do uh, radio hits. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure you get ra radio requests. I get a bunch of those every week, and you sort of pick and choose among those, Uh you can, you know, pitch story ideas. And, and in large respect, other than, you know, I know that I'm required to be at Sunday Night Baseball every week. I've been on that show. This will be the 13th year. Um, and other than doing my podcast, which is three days a week now, I can kind of fill in my own schedule. And mm -hmm. so if I, you know, see a gap where I'm going to have some time to work on a, a written piece and I can you know, call Rachel, my editor, and talk to her about, you know, ideas and, and kick around different stories. Uh, I just love the the variety that you can work with it, uh, you know, at, at ESPN. Yeah, that's great that you get to do so many different roles and different aspects of the game, depending on sort of what your schedule, you know, allows at, at different points of the year, depending on what's happening in baseball. But what would you say you enjoy most about covering the game of baseball, you know, say either the regular season, the playoffs, or just the variety that happens every year and unpredictability. You know, I like writing about the people. Uh, I, I always have told friends that, you know, cause, and, and I'm sure you bumped into this too. People say, boy, baseball's boring. And I'm like, no, it isn't like the context changes every day. So you know, yes, they play a lot of games, but things are happening behind the scenes. And, you know, we're talking about people from different walks of life, you know, in different mm -hmm. countries, uh, different backgrounds, you know, different challenges in their life. Maybe they've had some injuries and then you mix in competition and then you mix in uh, money. And there's all, it, it really is a great uh, way to get into writing about people, you know, like Mike Trout, uh, right. you know, it just, uh, you know, he's very down to earth, as you know, I'm sure you've, you've, uh, you've talked to him before. Uh, you know, how is it that he got to be that way? And so to spend time with his parents is a lot of fun. We did a piece, uh, E60 on Freddie Freeman uh, a couple of years ago about, you know, the effort for, for from he and his wife, Chelsea, to, you know, to have a surrogate. 
and then finding out that Chelsea was pregnant. So they wind up having twins with a twist, as they say, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, so that's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. as COVID and he wins the MVP in 2020. Um, they're just so many great stories to pick through. Um, and, and so to dig those out, that absolutely is the most fun that I have. Yes, I agree. When you hear the baseball is boring thing and I'm like, excuse me, do you hear all the different storylines? You talked about it, Mike Trout. I met him for the first time at the 2021 MLB Little League Classic in Williamsport when I talked with you too. And I was a little nervous the first time I talked, but he was super nice as you talked about it. But the storylines, I feel like they always like are ever changing and like, it's not predictable. So that's what intrigues me about the game of baseball. So yeah, sure. It's technically slower. Like they're not tackling people like football, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. And, you know, there's different rule changes that are going to be affecting the 2023 season. So I think that's going to be interesting to see. And outside of just the normal players, I mean, you've got Shohei Otani, who seems like otherworldly player. I mean, it's nuts what he can do. And then you talk about, all the different, you know, strengths of each team and each season, I personally feel like there's a new storyline and multiple ones, you know, including we saw Pujols hit 700 and just so many different unique aspects to the game. Absolutely. Um, and that's, as I, you know, I, I used to be a beat writer. I covered the the Padres or covered the Nashville Sounds. And then I covered the Padres and the Orioles and the Mets and the Yankees. And I was always astonished when I would hear writers talk about how, oh, I can't come up with a story idea. Man, I always felt like they were burbling over because because of the changing context. You know, a, a, a player makes an adjustment in batting practice and all of a sudden they get really hot. You know, uh, you know, Tony Gwynn, when I covered him with the Padres, Hall of Famer, you know, getting close, taking a run at 400. And then all of a sudden you have a player strike. Uh, you know, I covered Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak, um, you know, working at ESPN, doing a story on CC Sabathia, you know, when he goes to Milwaukee Brewers in a trade in 2008, and then he demands to take the ball every three days for their four days for the uh, Brewers, because he wants to get the Brewers into the playoffs. You know, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, who is such a good guy, you know, is glad to see the other day he's going to return back to the Pirates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear from a teammate, he's really good at impressions. And then you throw names at him out of the blue, like, you know, to give me Albert Pujols, give me Derek Jeter, give me this. And he nails it. And it turns <laughs> out he's also really good as an artist and he can sing really well. I got video of him singing at Pedro Alvarez's wedding. How fun. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, that's the thing is it just there's so it's such a broad menu of, of humanity that you can choose from every day and doing these stories. Right. I totally agree. And I love that you shared those different stories, because I think sometimes people just think of, oh, you're a professional baseball player. You need to perform as an athlete, but they don't know about the person as a whole, like outside of the field, you know, in normal life. Right. What those types of talents they may have or different fun things that they have. But I know for you personally, Outside of working with ESPN and reporting, you're also an author of multiple books, including a New York Times bestseller, The Last Night of That Yankee Dynasty. So can you talk about what it's like for you writing books versus writing stories? It becomes an obsession that takes you over. Um, and I'm you know, about ready to start on a book project, and I'm hoping that I can handle it in a better fashion but I think inevitably the book kind of takes you over. Um, you know, everybody's different in terms of how they do their writing. 
when I did that Yankee book, I would get up at two, two thirty. My my daughter was little, and so I knew she would get up by you know seven o'clock, and so I would get up at two or three in the morning, and I would turn on this live album CD of the Police. I'm dating myself, and it had high energy, and I would just write like a burst of writing for like three or four hours, and wow. then when I did my second book, uh, and then I would stop like at six, seven o'clock. I'd be like, okay, I got you know, uh, a thousand good words in 1500 good words in, and I'm just going to stop for today. And then my brain would percolate during the course of the day. And I think about changes I'd want to make the next morning. And I would be like leaping right into that the next morning at two, two thirty in the morning. Now, when I did my second book, which was on a basketball coach, uh, named Don Meyer, I, uh, had a similar type schedule where I would get up at like uh, four, you know, four o'clock in the morning. And I would have a particular album they listened to is a Jackson Brown album. And, and that, and I would be playing in my mind as I was going through it. And it, it just energized me. But I, you know, the people who do, like, I have a cousin who wrote five books Now she's not in sports. She wrote five books last year. I don't know how she does wow. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and she has this unbelievable regimen and, because it can take you over for sure. And I'm sure you'll do a book at some point. Uh, <laughs> and you'll find that when, when you start to, to focus on it, it becomes such a big project and you feel pressure and you're excited to have it uh, come out. It just takes you over. Well, thanks for sharing that insight behind what it's like, because I think a lot of people, including myself, don't know like the dedication or different things you have to do because writing a book is nowhere easy. Like it takes so much time and dedication to know how to put it all together in a way that thousands of people will enjoy reading. So it's so unique to hear that perspective. Now, I want to get a little bit back more into the Sunday night baseball for you. You know, you talked about doing different things throughout the week, depending on the week outside of that game, but what does a preparation for each of those games look like for you? And they, st that starts for an individual game, a couple weeks out uh, mm -hmm. where you are, um, looking at the, the long range pitching matchup potentially. And then, so you might, you know, say, I might say to Carl Ravitch, uh, you know, to Eduardo Perez to David Cohn, Hey, two weeks out, we got Scherzer. It looks like, you know, if the Mets don't have a rain out, we could get Scherzer, uh, we could get to Grom, we could get, uh, Garrett Cole and you start to focus on those players and, and it gets brain moving in terms of possible story ideas. Uh, I find myself, when I sit and watch games during the week leading up to a Sunday night game, uh, I'll of course watch the team, uh, the two teams that we're going to see that Sunday night. So I have a better context of what's going on with the team, a recent, uh, recent, uh, you know, taste of what they're doing. And that really the last few years have been doing that two weeks out more and more where I, I want a broader uh, slice of their season to sort of draw upon we, you know, I'll have conversations in a week leading up to a Sunday night baseball game. I'll have conversations with Andy Jacobson, who's our producer on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I'll give him, you know, what I'm hearing from sources is likely to be the pitching matchup. Uh, I'll talk through some ideas, you know, who would be good to wear the mic this week? Uh, who would be good to do a pregame interview with? Uh, who would be good to do, what do we think about the in-game interviews? Because some managers love the in-game interviews and some managers don't. And right. if you get a manager that you think might be a little bit short on words, maybe you veer off to a player. Um, we have a formal conference call on Thursday where we go through some of those ideas. Then I will travel to the city where our game is either on Friday evening or Saturday morning. 
Uh, I'll be at the ballpark, you know, it's Saturday for sure. Uh, and spend that day with the, you know, watch talking with both teams, going to the game, getting some background, making more phone calls. Uh, and then on Sunday morning of a, of a Sunday night baseball game, there'll be a follow-up conversation with the producer. Um, I usually have sports center uh, responsibilities on Sunday morning of that game. I'll be in touch with the baseball tonight producer, Greg Colley, uh, who, uh, you know, we have a baseball tonight ahead of time. And I usually have to, I mean, it's a really busy day, but I have to stop drinking water at about two o'clock because I know that starting at first pitch, I can't go to the bathroom. So I got to wow. like cut, my, cut myself off relatively How early. How do you stay hydrated if it's hot then? You got to balance it, Anna. <laughs> you got <laughs> to find that proper balance, right? Where and, right. It, and I have had games. We had a first pitch in Texas one year. I think it was 2011. It was 106 degrees at first pitch. And I'm in a suit and tie. And we had a makeup person, a temporary makeup person there said, you know, you're really sweating. And I'm like, well, it's 106 <laughs> degrees and I'm in a coat and tie. The <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, and then and then you go through the game and you do feel like, you know, after a week of uh, week of conversation and a week of reporting, like a big exhale when the game is over. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing all the behind the scenes preparation of what that looks like, you know, week in and week out and all the different calls that you have to do and all the logistics of lo travel and everything in between, because it's interesting to hear, you know, what that looks like for you. Now, speaking of baseball, since the season I feel is right around the corner, which makes me excited because it's been a couple months since I've got to you know, watch some baseball games. So heading into the 2023 season for you, what would you say some of the biggest storylines you're looking at and like teams you're most excited to watch are? Well, you referenced already uh, the the person who's going to dominate the conversation baseball that this year, and that's Shohei Otani. Uh, sure. Because of the his impending free agency, he's not signed with the Angels. I suspect that the Angels are going to try to, you know, make a big, throw a big number at him. Um, I don't think he's going to sign. I think he's going to go into free agency. I think part of the reason why uh, some of the decisions made this winter by other teams is preparing for that because he's so unique as a productive player. Right. Uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason why the Dodgers cut their payroll this year was to prepare for a run at Otani. I think the Mariners will take a run at him. We know that Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, he's not shy about spending money. He'll take a run at him. Billy Epler, his general manager, uh, of course, was part of the group that lured Otani to the Angels. Uh, the Yankees, I assume. The Cubs will take a run at him. His status leading up the trade deadline will be the most talked about uh, uh, in a topic in, in the sport. There's no doubt about it. In terms of teams, the National League East is a great race, right? right. <laughs> the defending champion Phillies uh, in the National League, the team that shocked all of us. You know, made, made sure. the series. I didn't think that they, they'd get that far because their defense. The Mets have been aggressive this winter. I know some Mets fans were unhappy because they didn't sign Correa. They won 101 games and they added Justin Verlander. Right. So it's a great <laughs> And they added team. some other people too. And I, Right. And I might wind up picking the Braves to win that division uh, because they're so deep. So that that to me is going to be a great, uh, you know, great, uh, great team. I think the Mariners are going to be fun. You know, they they have a lot of uh, 
you know, just a lot of energy. Julio Rodriguez is such a fun player to watch. Uh, Aaron Judge, I'm curious, you know, can he back it up with what he did last year now that he doesn't have all this contract stuff hanging over? Not that that ever seemed to affect him last year. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you and I were talking about how, you know, the context changes every year. There's fun stuff to talk about every year. And, and again, that's where we'll be. Yeah, I love that you talked about all that. First off, Shohei Otani, who, in my opinion, has the potential to become the first player in the history of any professional sport to maybe get a $500 million yes. contract, at least for baseball, which would be guaranteed. You know, it's different with the football status. But so many different fun storylines, especially with, you know, the addition of different players for the Mets. So that that Annalise is going to be a battle for sure. And then you talked about the young talent of the Mariners. And I think the Orioles could be a fun team as well to watch because they made a really great ascent in only one year, you know, between the last two seasons. So it's going to be an exciting season for sure. And plus Otani's going to be showing off at the WBC. So we're going to get to watch him earlier than normal too. <laughs> I think you're right about Otani getting 500 million. I think he'd be the first, if he stays healthy, uh, first player to get 500 million because of the value that he brings you know, all the time. There's nobody else like him in the history of baseball. He'll be the first player, I think, to get $50 million a year when he signs his next contract. Uh, yeah, that that's it, it's it's going to be so much fun in the, the speculation and the, the arguments over what he should do. Um, you know, I assume at some point we're going to hear about the Angels throwing him a big offer. Mm hmm. You know, that'll be fun. The pressure on the teams to make a deal going to the deadline. You know, we always talk about uh, teams going into the trade deadline, which is one of my favorite times of year. Oh, that, you know, the Yankees need a starter. Uh, the Mets need a, you know, a left fielder. Here you go. You're adding one of the best power hitters and one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. If you trade for Otani, what that, what's that guy worth in a deal? Exactly. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yes, it'll be fun for sure. And I guess we'll see if the angels can do, do something this year. They've got two of the best players in baseball, Mike Trout and Otani on the same team, but See if they can maybe finally make the playoffs or something. <laughs> yeah, and they have, I think, in the last couple of years, improved their pitching. Perry Manassian, their general manager, has been aggressive. Uh, you can understand why. You know, he's nearing the end of his contract. He probably has new owners to prove himself to. Mm -hmm. And I love when you see teams or executives go for it. I right. just love that. You know, it doesn't always work out. But like watching the Padres, you know, a team that I covered back in the day when they wouldn't have a $15 million payroll, you know, now they're approaching $300 million. That's It's fun to see a team that's sort of out of the box. Their owner, Peter Seidler, devoted to the idea of winning for that city. It's pretty neat. Yes, totally agree with you. Well, on another note, I'm very curious to see, like, how did you first get get people to sort of call you by your middle name? It's actually not see my my uh Buster is my nickname. Uh okay. my real name, my given name, uh, the name that's on my birth certificate is Robert Ol uh, Stanberry only the third. Two days before I was born, uh my great grandfather passed away and my mom was feeling sad. His name was Captain Bassett. Uh my mom was feeling sad about him and happy about me. Captain Bassett, whenever he was around little kids, he called them all Buster. And so my mom uh, started calling me that from the first day I was born. That's the only name I was ever called, except when my mom was mad at me or <laughs> on the first day of school when they call roll. Uh, but I, I that's, you know, I've met many, many, many dogs and cats that I share a name with. 
uh, the only human that I've ever known and spoken to that has the same first name is Buster Posey. Right. And, and Buster, the first time I spoke with him, it was funny. We've never actually talked that much about it, but there's this funny thing to call another adult by, you know, a dog's name. And so I remember the first time I talked to Buster, which was like in the fall of 2009. And I was like, hey, Buster, it's Buster. And he's like, <laughs> hey, Buster, how you doing? And that's how we basically greet each other throughout the duration of his career. So, uh, yeah, that's it's a it's a name that sticks with people. Little kids remember my name, which is cool. Well, that's a fun and unique story. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, what I always do to finish off the podcast with my guests is what I call my favorite five questions. So okay. first off for you, what is one piece of advice you would give to the next generation? Write as much as possible, uh, because no matter what uh, what uh, line of work you choose to go into, whether it's in newspaper writing or website writing or uh, going into television or becoming a lawyer, or let's say you want to be a baseball scout, writing is a really important and valued skill. And I've had so many people in different walks of life tell that to me. And so getting comfortable with writing is something that uh, I harangue my own kids about uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> I love that. Great advice. All right. Give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life. Oh, my gosh. Um I get emotional talking about it, so hang with me. Um, my folks didn't have any money. I, uh, you know, when at the uh, as I was getting ready, I had to take a year off because of money between my sophomore and junior year at Vanderbilt, and I found out that my folks, uh, my mom told me that they hadn't paid their taxes, and so I wasn't able to get financial aid. I thought I'd be out of college, and parents of a friend of mine lent me the money to go to college. And when I did the book on the Yankees, I dedicated the book to them, uh, Dick and Jane Leonard, who've since passed away, but it was a crossroad for me. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Well, I know you're a busy man, but if you had a day off and you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it? I just moved to Montana. Uh, and so I want to say, I want to pick out the zillions of hikes, one of the zillions of hikes out here and do that. I've never been to Yellowstone. Uh, I'm actually talking about going to Yellowstone, making a trip there sometime in June. I can't wait. That sounds exciting for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What sport would you have covered if you didn't cover baseball? Basketball. And I actually did cover a lot of other sports. Uh, you know, coming up through the newspaper ranks, you know, you cover everything from wrestling. I covered a Western or a Western style rodeo, uh, covered wall climbing. Mm -hmm. I got done stories on rugby uh, as a young reporter. But basketball, I think, is definitely my second love. And I, I as I mentioned, the, the second book that I did was on a basketball coach. Nice. Super fun. All right. Well, last but not least, if you had a superpower that can make the world better. What would you want it to be and why? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, boy, oh, boy. that That is a broad question. I'm trying to think what uh, I would say begin to raise awareness to reduce the impact of global warming. Because I think that that if I had that superpower and I could, I, I you know, you're not old enough to remember the first Superman, I'm sure. But what Superman did is he 
spun the earth backwards to turn back time. This was like uh -huh. in the movie in the 1977 or maybe it was Superman 2, but he spun the world backwards and he he put everything back where people could be safe. And that's what I would want because you're, you were seeing the impact of that. Uh, it feels like day after day after day. Well, that's super cool. Thanks for sharing. Well, Buster, I want to thank you again so much for jumping on the podcast, sharing your story about your entire career so far, but also the ins and outs of different experiences that you experience on a day-to-day -day basis working for ESPN. And I think you and me can agree that it's going to be an exciting upcoming 2023 MLB season. Absolutely. And we'll have so much stuff to talk about, Anna. Thank you for doing this.